are you doing today, sir? I'm well. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for dedicating so much of your life for the nation and for the world. Because what you do is so, I've never, ever thought about what you do until this came out. <laughs> it's uh, not a well-publicized job. That's true. It's the art of listening, is it not? And that's one of those things that I like to study very deeply. Yeah, the, the nature of being an airborne linguist is um, your entire job depends on your ability to listen and to um, determine what's important, what's not important, why something is important, and then what you do with what you listen to. Listeners need to know that when they travel into an independent bookstore, that they need when they see this book, that you cannot judge the title by its cover. The reason why is because you really take us into an area, like you said, not everybody has been talking about this, but yet it goes so deep into the process of how we make connections without other people knowing we've made that connection. Yeah, um, the sort of more common term that people are used to hearing is that I, I spent a lot of time eavesdropping on the Taliban. Um, it wasn't quite eavesdropping. They usually often knew that I was listening. But, um, you know, I, outside of people who did this job and maybe, you know, if people who have known people who have done this job, you're not going to really know. You couldn't be expected to know what it's like to to listen to the Taliban talk about anything. These conversations are so authentic. I mean, I, what you have to wade through in order to find something that is worth its weight. Yeah. So my specifically on my first deployment, I primarily I only flew my first deployment during the day. And, you know, you can imagine if you went and uh, listened to a police scanner or something, mm -hmm. During the day, you're just going to hear all kinds of stuff. People talking about traffic, talking about the weather, talking about whatever. Versus if you were hearing a police scanner at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're probably only going to hear people talking about crime or, you know, adjacent to crime or whatever. But because I, so because I flew during the day, you know, I did spend a lot of time listening to people talking about their normal day-to-day -day lives. Yeah, but Ian, one of the things, because I am a daily writer, there's a thing, there's a term that I, I, I kind of didn't come up with. I don't know where it came from, but I believe that we all are hidden speakers. We come up with a language of our own so that others can understand it without other people judging what's being shared. Did you run into a lot of hidden speak from those that were on the radio? Interesting. I never thought about this. No, I don't think so. Um, the nature of the Taliban's communication was very, very open. And even though, you know, they often knew that if not me specifically, someone like me was listening, um, I think because of how long they'd been fighting, they sort of didn't care whether anybody else was hearing it. They would just say whatever they felt like saying. Man, that sounds so American because that's how people feel. Ah, if they're watching me, they're watching me. We all become, you know, uh, just numb to somebody that could be just, you know, standing not too far from us. Yeah, I mean, for the, specifically with the Taliban, it's like, what are they going to do, right? They're so, you know, compared to our technology, our technology may as well be magic compared to what they're doing, right? They're they're using a high-powered walkie-talkie, and the United States Air Force owns multiple hundreds of millions of dollars biplanes. So, like, at some point, they, they, if, if they were to try and, you know, match that level, like, it would be impossible. Are you sitting in an office somewhere listening in, or are you out there on the field? So I'm uh, so I'm above the field. So an airborne linguist, I flew on Air Force Special Operations aircraft, um, most often on planes called gunships. Mm -hmm. So I would be anywhere from 
6,000 feet to many more thousand feet overhead um, a battlefield if there's a fight going on or an operation if it hasn't become a fight yet or a convoy or what have you. So I'm, I'm out over Afghanistan, but I'm not, you know, on the ground getting shot at or anything like that. We can't keep radio people inside the studio to do their programs. They're in and out, in and out, in and out. How is it that you can find the focus and the determination to stay put and do your job? Oh, uh, it's, I mean, literally life or death after. Okay. Uh, like if I had missions where I was listening to boring, boring, boring stuff, just like people whining about whatever. And then a second later, there was a fight, a firefight. And those same dudes were talking about shooting somebody and were shooting somebody. Um, I mean, it was, you know, if you're really long in transit to something or other, maybe you can zone out. But when you're overhead in operation, if you zone out, you could miss the thing that helps save someone's life. Mm -hmm. So sort of not really an option. And we can look at the other side of that as well, in that the part that what you do is, is that it's part of the plan of destroying the voices that you've heard. In other words, it's like, it's like you hear something that needs to be changed. We're up off to the next step. Yeah. I mean, the, I, when I think of it, it's sort of implicit, but it's not obviously to you or to other people that, um, most of the time saving a life in Afghanistan meant ending another life. Mm -hmm. So I would have to help figure out how to, you know, kill the Taliban who were trying to kill the Americans. Do you compare this to listening to codes or trying to decipher codes? What I specifically did, the languages I specifically listened to, not really. Um, the Taliban has some coded speech, mm -hmm. but they don't have, you know, I imagine that Russia or China or sort of, you know, more advanced countries have like really true coded language. The Taliban didn't have that. They might have some code words, but, you know, over time, the American military learned what those code words are, so it wasn't really a code anymore. This is such an incredible book. I, I swear people are going to be inspired by it, and I, I would love to see the number of young adults that will want to get into the U.S. Air Force to try to do something like this, because we are listeners. We have earbuds on, but we are listeners, and we can we can depict a conversation. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the language learning and, and learning how to listen did fundamentally change my life. I mean, I went to um, medical school after I got out of the Air Force, and in my opinion, the most important part of being a good physician is the ability to listen. And so I, you know, I don't practice medicine anymore, but uh, the ability to listen, you know, made medical school very, uh, made me better at medical school, I think better at patient care. Well, so. please come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and uh, we'll do. Yeah, you be brilliant today, okay, sir. Okay, thanks. You too.